Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of December 17th. This is episode number 175, and I'm Chris Bevelo. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jackie Rotaco, account manager with Interval, the firm that puts on the podcast. And joining me today... Robert Prevo, Senior Account Director at Interval. Uh, Adam Meyer, Creative Director at Interval. And Katie Studer, Intern at Interval. Hello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? It's going. I'm alive and well. Feeling it's good. It's all that matters. <laughs> this week, this quote-unquote week before Christmas. Oh, Technically yeah. next, yeah. next yep, week for be. us, but... Yep. Is everyone jolly? Mm-hmm. Got your shopping done? No, not even close, actually, but... No, me neither. I'm in a better mood now. I mean, we try to avoid talking about the weather since we used to do it like all the time, but it's hard not to talk about the weather when you live in Minnesota. Because we just got dumped on. Yeah. And we just got dumped on. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's melting, which is nice, although messy. So it's just a kind of gross, dirty mess right now, which is what the Twin Cities ends up looking or any, any, (laughs) any Midwest metro area ends up looking just filthy after a while once Mm -hmm. you get the dirt from the tires and the exhaust all messed into the snow. It's just kind of yucky. And we talked about the weather, but that's okay. It's been a while since we've talked about the weather. Mm-hmm. Katie and Robert, if you like joined us last year, it was like the weather every day. But <laughs> we were that was the intro ourselves. to every podcast. We had to bring it back. Outside. <laughs> yeah. um, well, just a few updates before we dive into some great um, conversation pieces we have. First is to follow us on... Follow us at Interval, at Interval Crew. At Interval and Crew, that's right. if you want right. to try to follow... Um, yeah, podcast related material or if you have ideas or want to follow other ideas people might have follow uh pound a h m so it is pound e? is that right a h m b hashtag hashtag sorry Either one so we're on, we're on the twit <laughs> and then we also just created a new linkedin group for this podcast so um join us there it'll it's supposed to be a forum for conversation mainly around this podcast we'll be posting articles and stuff to get feedback on so yep. Join us there as well, and I am going to turn it over to Katie because we have some um, something in the mailbag today from a listener. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so on our, actually two podcasts ago it will be, on our podcast titled Victoria's Secret Stampede, where we talked about Black Friday shopping, um, we had a comment from Larry Asher, who is the creative director at Worker Bees, um, which is an agency in Seattle. And he also is an owner of the School of Visual Concepts. Sorry if I messed that up. I think that's correct. Um, and we got a comment from Larry um, discussing our podcast and um, saying that uh, maybe we were a little too critical of Black Friday shoppers and maybe we need to recognize the potential and the opportunity that Black Friday holds for marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put out some really great ideas for um, what what could come of Black Friday for marketers. For example, Red Friday, which could be a blood drive at your hospital that starts at 6 a.m. Um, and Larry mentioned a lot about... Um, trying to figure out what drives consumers out there on Black Friday could be a really important thing to tap into and figure out and could be really important for marketers. Um, And we... Uh, we came off maybe a, a little bit strong against Black Friday. <laughs> I think our personal opinions are really, really strong about that. We didn't really address it from a marketing perspective enough, so we wanted to take right. a moment to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. And if you listen to if you listen to the show, you know we get derailed often without 
we'll go out, we'll rant yeah. on our personal feelings on some yeah. things, and which I think is you know certainly valid. I think our audience obviously is uh, marketers, and I think we, everybody has personal opinions, but. We often try to circle it back. Sometimes we get derailed and forget to circle it back. But yeah, you know, as as Katie said, he he offered some good ideas, some interesting ideas. I do. I call him. I think we should call him out too on one thing. I don't think we called anybody stupid for going out on Black Friday because yeah, Larry. I and hope they, not. Uh, I think we might have maybe used the word crazy or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. That I, might I think you can, yeah. be, you can be crazy without being stupid. Yes, right. um, I don't think we call anybody stupid. But yeah, Larry had some ideas for maybe trying to counter Black Friday or uh, you know b- bring a different spirit to the day um, mm-hmm. with some other other colored days like Red Friday, maybe a blood drive at your hospital. Green Friday, um, instead of spending your money at the mall, do it, uh, give it to a foundation or your foundation, our foundation. Um, blue Friday, mm-hmm. if assuming you have a blue logo, you know, free flu shots and and uh, other stuff for anyone who shows up between like six and eight a.m. Yeah. I think we'd recognize that the power of a Black Friday is I think people's desire to you know go to a store and it's almost mm-hmm. a social thing. You're right, out there right, with right. hundreds of other people and and you're getting something. You know, right, you're getting right. a great deal on a TV um, or something like that. And so um, I think there is opportunity certainly, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think you know. In the hospital setting, and I think Larry gives some really good examples. You know, it may be a little bit of a stretch. Well, I think it's a creative connection to play off Black Friday, but then ask people to do something. So right. come right. here early in the morning to donate blood. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, again, I think there's there's a lot of good opportunity there, but it's a little different take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I think to your point, I think if you really want to leverage the power, it's it's figuring out a way to make that connection about what's in it for me or what am I going to get out of this versus, or at least how, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you can turn that on its head a little bit and you still get something as an organization out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously every, everyone in in retail who leverages black Friday gets something out of it as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, to his point, it's capitalizing on the mindset and just because Mm -hmm. we're not in that mindset (laughs) doesn't mean that other people aren't. So that was kind of his point. You know, when I think about it, I'm not one to go out on black Friday, but Mm -hmm. if, if I if there is a blood bank type of thing or not blood bank that doesn't blood drive blood drive there we go um, <laughs> we know what you meant <laughs> and if I was encouraged to go with like my sisters or something like that that would probably actually motivate me more to go out of the house than shopping right. so I think that maybe maybe mm-hmm. it would motivate people more that maybe don't like to do the Black Friday shopping because it's like well there's a reason to get out of the house today <laughs> I can avoid the malls but I can still get out and do something good or right. t- or That's tying true. that link of an act yep. like a you know blood donation that's good mm-hmm. and getting maybe an online coupon for related to shopping tying mm-hmm. it back to right. kind of the the passion people have about shopping on that yeah, day sure. or maybe you can right on the spot you can take your packet of blood and spend it on something <laughs> like you get <laughs> rewards right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now we're thinking yeah. <laughs> well and so speaking of larry he also that that'll help us segue into our first um article topic here, but he had sent us um, an article he saw on WebMD with some commentary on it, and I'll let Robert kind of introduce that. Yeah, we'd love our engaged podcast listeners, so um, thanks for sharing this article uh, as well, Larry. Um, But he sent us an article on WebMD, and they announced this week that they're going to be laying off 14% of its workforce, and they're going to begin making $45 million in spending cuts. And this is all after they reported a $900,000 quarterly loss. So kind of a rough stretch for WebMD. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason that they cite is in large part what they're calling a patent cliff. So again, clever 
clever cliff, name. Cliff, cliff, cliff. <laughs> it's like the buzz. It's like the buzzword <laughs> totally. of the end yeah. of 2012 here. Um, but basically, there are many you know pharmaceutical drugs that are losing patent protection in the near future. So. For example, Lipitor, Plavix, and Zyprexa are three that um, are losing their, their patent protection. So those, um, those companies are spending less in advertising, which makes a lot of sense. But a lot, another reason that uh, some news articles are citing for the reason for this decline in ad spending is competition. And one study, and actually this was a, an article um, from American Public Media's Marketplace program that ran on December 11th. They cited a study by National Resource Corporation, uh, who is a company that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, and they said that in a survey of 23,000 consumers, 96% use Facebook to gather information about healthcare, 28% use YouTube, and 22% use Twitter. So when we Mm -hmm. read that, I know we all scratched our heads and said, what? That's (laughs) 96% of people are using Facebook for healthcare Mm -hmm. information? (laughs) And question that. Data a little it, what bit. it sounded like they were referring to the popula- the general population. Right, right, right. right. And it's then like, even ninety six percent of people are right. on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I'm not sure what yeah. the exact. I mean, I'm sure we could find the number here quickly. And so, but yeah, it's not ninety six percent. Right. And so we we looked into this and actually reached out to uh, NRC, and the numbers that we got back made a lot more sense. So basically, yeah. this study um, said that of the twenty three thousand people. Uh, surveyed, 16% said they've used social media mm-hmm. for gathering healthcare information. And it was of that 16%, 96% actually right. used Facebook. So, so now the numbers much are looking smaller, <laughs> much smaller. So instead of <laughs> you know, 23,000 people, it's more like 3,500 people. Right. Or something like that. So definitely made, made a lot more sense. Yes. And uh, you know the other piece, so I was looking into this a little bit, and there's certainly the patent issue, but and there's the competition that they're citing being social media. But I think, you know, another competition factor is other organizations that are offering the same service. So right. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. seen Everyday Health. That's another service very similar to to WebMD. But as WebMD's ad revenue is dropping, um, they're actually seeing some pretty amazing growth. And so, in fact, um, in looking at their quarterly numbers, their ad revenue actually spiked 40% in the first quarter this year. Interesting. While, while WebMD is, is dropping oh, wow. big time. So there certainly, I think, is the social media factor, but I think that may be you know, a little smaller than you know, the fact that it's a competitive marketplace for this type of, of service. Mm-hmm. That's really true. Yeah, and it's really, <clears throat> you know, I, I think there's, there are a lot of lessons to be learned from WebMD in terms of uh, the direction you could take that style of information um, you know, and, and make decisions about what, of that information pool, what is the, what's the core of it? What's the focus of mm-hmm. it? Um, obviously, with every... WebMD, to me, at least in, in my mind, it's, it's, like a, it's like an encyclopedia. It's where I go if I, if I want to know something about maybe a drug or a condition, that's where I go. I don't necessarily think about WebMD when it comes to like wellness topics or feel-good type things. I mm-hmm. Literally, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm grabbing Encyclopedia Britannica off the shelf mm-hmm. to get factual information on a specific topic. Um, and that... I don't think that, that that in and of itself doesn't necessarily have the cachet for social media that wellness topics mm-hmm. potentially could have, right. depending on how, the, how they're structured. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely is something like Everyday Health has probably got a little bit of a leg up in that regard in terms of how they can pull people into the site, mm-hmm. um, in terms of where people are looking for this information, in terms of how, sh- you know, quote-unquote shareable the information is. 
Um, yeah, it's just it, to me, just off the cuff, you know, it feels like it'd be much better set up to, to leverage the power of social media versus something that feels a little more like a straight up encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Even right. though I know WebMD is much more than that. It's right. just that what are they known for? You know, we've talked yeah. about that in the past too. And we, when we contrasted things like, um, uh, Groupon with Facebook uh, in, in deals and that kind of thing and talking about, yeah. well, you know, why, why did it fail at Facebook? Because Facebook's not known for that. Why did it succeed it with Groupon or, you mm-hmm. know, to, to a degree? Uh, because that's what they're known for. It's what they do. It's like you get known for something and that's, that's what you do. And when you try to build on top of that, yeah, you might be good at doing it, but mm-hmm. people don't know you for that. So, right. Yeah, and in looking at everyday health in terms of you know what they offer, it's it is some of the same information as WebMD, but they mm-hmm. also have a lot of lifestyle ad- ad- right. advice, and, and and it feels like that's what it's oriented around, right? And I think that's going to draw you know a different mix of people who want to advertise. So totally. that's, that's a little more right. broad, and you right. know, is in in this situation is good for them. Interesting. So we can basically attribute this to mis. Reporting, yeah, and it, it's like, amazing how in looking at those stats and how they've been reported yeah. by CNN, American Public Media's yep. Marketplace, yeah. which is you know a very popular program, they all got it wrong, right? <laughs> and so, right. in a, in a pretty big way, and so obviously no one really dug into the stats in looking at the actual report and how it was worded. I can see where it was confusing, right? But mm-hmm. no one's questioned it, and it certainly doesn't look like it's been corrected. Yeah, so. and it really goes to show how. I don't know what the right word. I want to say pathetic. Our you know mainstream media has become, but it's just in a lot of times it's this echo chamber of one one resource reports yeah. something, the next just grabs it and screams it. The next one screams it again, and it's kind of like nobody does. I don't know the the due diligence process doesn't seem to be what it maybe once was mm-hmm. or maybe it's always sucked and now we just it's really obvious now i, I don't know well and it was interesting as as i looked at the you know the information we got from nrc mm-hmm. you know all these media reports noted that 96 percent use facebook oh, yeah. and it's actually 94 so yeah. i don't Oops. know how that got <laughs> misconstrued <laughs> they look like a, alike yeah or <laughs> six so, to your point so oh. what about the actual statistic though now that we've kind of clarified all of it that actually 94% of people use Facebook for their healthcare information and then YouTube is a distant 32%. I mean, I guess I would that, never that think that was of, of YouTube, social media users. Of, si- the of 16%, 16% right. use social media, right? Correct. Right. So yeah, so the other resources, yeah, I, it, the, the, the YouTube one is, uh, is surprising to me. And I, and, I, and I say that only based on my personal habits for using, for starting a search at YouTube. Um, Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, this, and again, this is just me. Um, and clearly we've got data here that, that, that shows people do start, start their searches here. But when right. I think of something that I'm going to search for on YouTube, a lot of times it'd be like, how do I, how am I going to drain the oil in my lawnmower or something like that? You know, something right. where I don't want to go to some guide where somebody told me in text how to do it. I want to watch somebody do it while they're explaining to me what to watch out for and preferably a fairly short clip of like a minute or two or how to, how to strip my deck because I need to reseal it. I want to watch somebody do it. There are just certain mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. where I want to watch somebody do something. And when it comes to healthcare, you know, you know there's certain things that are interesting to watch. I think mean, if it's like a surgery or something, maybe I'm probably going to pass out halfway through it <laughs> or at the beginning once the incising starts. Um, once you see a needle. So yeah, so that's, that's interesting because I, I personally just, I, like I said, my habits, I don't start a video based search. I don't, I don't think of a lot of healthcare things, you know, that, that I was, that I would start there for. Do you, I think, I, oh, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, do you guys ever start searches in YouTube? I guess. Yeah, that well, that kind of stuff. Like if I'm if it's something that I want to see somebody doing something, I will start it at YouTube. See, and I would never. I'd still go to Google, and then if YouTube and popped up, YouTube, YouTube. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just me, but I don't well, know if I've ever started a search. And- I think about you know, Mayo Clinic has video after video after video of physician videos talking about certain diseases or mm-hmm. certain. Um, uh, conditions and I think that if I were diagnosed with something like that I think that maybe that would be somewhere I would turn to just because I know that the physicians are the ones talking they're knowledgeable you're actually getting accurate information and yeah. when you turn to Google you don't necessarily you're not always certain but if it's coming from a physician it's pretty powerful I would say um, but for everyday health information I know I probably wouldn't turn to YouTube yeah but if it's something more serious I might yeah, I mean, I, and that's not to say I wouldn't watch a video of a doctor talking about something. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that I would st- like I would start at YouTube right. if I end if I did a Google search for it or started like at Mayo Clinic, mm-hmm. and a YouTube video happened to be one of the things that popped up right away. I would mm-hmm. probably then I would watch it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. But it's yeah, it's just interesting to to hear that people start there, and maybe they're taking maybe they're accounting for that. Maybe they're that could be yeah. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to know without really knowing yeah. a lot of the real details behind the survey. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Facebook was a little more startling to me i don't I, yeah I that's I just, a high number i mean i guess there's lots of um you know there's health organizations on facebook and i follow several and i get information from there but it's not like i'm actively going out and seeking that information i guess it, i like them and then i see it in my feed and yeah the, right. the description though made it sound because yeah. i because when we were talking about this offline or on e- via email i i i said um you know if if that means that people are sharing their own stories or asking mm-hmm. for people, asking people for input. You know, have you, have you been to this hospital? Have you used this doctor? Um, have you, you know, I know you had diabetes. What was your experience here? Um, if that's what they're referring to, I think the number is believable yeah. and makes sense. And yeah. it sounds like that is what they're referring yeah, to. Well, right? so yeah. we asked that question and so it was, is basically asked as have you used social media for informational purposes? So that includes posting information about your own health status to friends or followers, inquiring about healthcare or healthcare related activities, right. uh, which includes preventative and rehab services. So it's, it's pretty broad. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's, it's not just, I'm looking for information about my knee that is right. bothering mm-hmm. me. It's, Hey, Hey, friends, family. I, you know, got out of the hospital, or hey, I'm, you know, I'm feeling better. It's pretty general. Yeah. You know? So it's it's so it's a little misleading. So I think when this, I mean, it was set up in the context of search, right? So you when you yeah. think thing, when you think search, you think text field. I'm going to enter something that I'm looking for, and I'm going to get some list of results back. Yeah. In this case, it was. You're simply anything talking about yeah. your own experience, or you're mm-hmm. asking somebody. So I mean, it's it's still in a sense search, but it's it's just it's a little misleading because it's not the way a lot of people first think about search. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes a lot more sense. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Good stuff. Yeah. There are a lot of resources. And the next article, I believe um, Adam had posted to us all, but this one's kind of a little more fun. But I think it, I think it's very interesting. The yeah. last one wasn't fun. What? Yeah. No, yours was super boring. Let's go to Adam. <laughs> I don't, no, that one is super interesting. Uh, this this one, and, and I'm you know I'm not a, a writer. I might blog every once in a while, but um, so this is from copyblogger.com, which is a resource for writers. Uh, I think this popped up on uh, might have been Hacker News, which is a site that I uh, follow that is not just about programming and hacker type stuff, but there's interesting cultural <laughs> things on there too. Uh, I think that's where this one came from. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, but yeah, the title of the story, or this article, is The Five Most Persuasive Words in the English Language. 
And they, the author goes on to list those five, which I'll go over here quickly, um, and then offers some, uh, some actual research on each word to back up uh, his claim. I think it's a him, his claim. Yes, Gregory, mm-hmm. I'm going to mangle that last name, Ciotti? Ciotti? Ciotti, Ciotti. Say, yeah. Um, cool name. <laughs> yeah, so of course he, he has a little disclaimer here, um, uh, which is, you know, warning these words. I can't stress this enough, just as in the application of writing headlines that work. You must understand why these words are persuasive, and you must use them in the context that makes sense for your audience and your business. If you just start slapping them around, you'll quickly see, you know, how unpersuasive they can actually be. Mm. Um, so I won't, I won't spend too much time on each uh, word here. Uh, you, got, you can dig into the article if you're interested. Um, but the first word uh, that is the most persuasive, um, based on his findings, is you. And he goes into the, it really dives into the kind of the context of personalization and, mm-hmm. and, and talks about how it isn't necessarily just the word you, but if you take that to the next level um, <clears throat> with customizing content, especially like, you know, electronic marketing, when you can yeah. you know, use people's first name, if you happen to have it in a list, that's even more, um, more impactful because people just really get excited to see their own name in something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's something to be careful of too to, in this day and age with uh, you know the increasing sensitivity around privacy um you know when your name all of a sudden sometimes it's exciting to see your name other Mm -hmm. times it's a little creepy to see your name um in fact we've got a a colleague who had somehow pulled i won't won't use any names but um there's nobody on the show here um but had (laughs) had mentioned recently that in doing a google search you clicked on something wrong and like some porn thing came up and, and something fairly bad. And, and her name was like suddenly associated with something in the context. So somehow, <laughs> right. you know, the resource was able to tap into something that got her name. And it's, all of a sudden she was seeing her name on the screen and in this context of some really dis- disturbing stuff. And it was like, <laughs> all right, not very exciting to see your name on the screen. <laughs> Don't want to be personalized there. Yeah. I think she said that even a picture had appeared that probably pulled from the <laughs> web her. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like, oh, Ew, that's creepy. Yeah. It's like, what are, yeah. what are you clicking on? Um, so bad example of personalization. Bad example of personalization. Um, but persuasive. <laughs> so anyway, you is number one. Uh, number two was free. This one had mm-hmm. kind of an interesting, uh, some interesting uh, uh, information to back it up. The co- cool example of using um, uh, candy kind of as an incentive to see how people would respond to it. Um, so I won't go into the study too deeply, but uh, basically if you... If, the example used here, people were offered a uh, Lindor truffle or a Hershey kiss. And when it was set up in the context of you can have the truffle for 15 cents or the kiss for one cent um, in that con, you know, neither free in that case. And mm-hmm. people just, you know, at such a low price point, ob- nav- naturally gravitated towards what felt more sophisticated, what felt, you know, more high a, end. A better experience right. or more high end and went with the uh, truffle for 15 cents. But then when they knocked the truffle down to 14 cents, so drop both down by a, a penny or not, or uh, yeah, a penny. So 14 cents, and now the kiss becomes free. Suddenly, it went from being 73% of the population, or the, the respondents wanted the, uh, the truffle, and, 70, and 27 wanted the kiss. Now it was 69 wanted the kiss, and 31 wanted the truffle, simply because lowering it by one penny to free. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, it it's interesting. fascinating. So, so number two is free. Um, number three was the word, is the word because. Uh, and there's an interesting example that you uh, that he uses in terms of um, well, the this, this setting that he uses is you know imagine people standing in line for a Xerox machine and somebody comes up and wants to go to the front of the line uh, you know if they just say I have five pa- you know excuse me I have five pages may I use the Xerox machine chances are people are going to be like no you get your ass to the back of the line 
Um, but if they use the word, if they use the, the, if they rephrase and they give a reason for why and use the word because, so uh, mm-hmm. because I'm in a rush or because I, you know, because I have to make copies or something where it's not even, it really doesn't make, doesn't justify you butting in line anymore <laughs> and mm-hmm. really didn't even give that much of a reason or a justification for it. But just simply right. the word because made people much more likely to allow that person yeah. to cut into line. Yeah. I in mean, one of my, oh, go ahead. <laughs> in one of my classes last semester, we actually had talked about this experiment and we watched it in action. It was just hilarious because, you know, just they that would word say, made the difference because mm-hmm. I need to use the copier and it's like, well, I need to use a copier too, but they would still let right. them go just because they right. gave a reason. It was just fascinating. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he says in here, even giving weak reasons have been shown to be more persuasive than giving no reason right. at all. Mm-hmm. That's was just, again, fascinating, just like the free example. Yeah. But hmm. uh, So the, and the fourth word was instantly. And, you know, in this day and age of like instant gratification, you know, we all demand things to happen now. You know, we complain when our, you know, web page takes five seconds to load rather than three. <laughs> you know, it's no That's surprise so that the word instantly is a, is a persuasive or, um, uh, word in the English language right now. And I uh, think tied pretty close to free. You know, it's like that. Yeah, I want yeah. something now. Free and now. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the next one is new. And that was the fifth one. So if you want to, <laughs> and news just really obvious. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a kind of a given. New is just you know, there's a, a feeling of excitement or you know, newness is always just interesting. You want to know more about it. So he 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 backs backs it up with better 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 proof than I just offered. But yeah, it's a good check article. Check it out. I don't want to I don't want to uh, drill too deep in it. We're probably pushing our time limit already. Yeah, we're at about twenty seven minutes. Well, and he himself is a content strategist too. Right. So that's. Mm-hmm. But I think it shows the power of just being really simple when you explain things, whether it's, you know, on your site or, you know, what have you. I think, you know, one example we've used before is mint.com. I mean, they're taking something really complex and they speak about it in ways that anyone would would talk about it. You know, looking at their site and they say, see where every dime goes and make money decisions you feel good about. Mm -hmm. You know, it just boils it down to we're not going to get into the complex you know, yeah. even though what, of our business, even we, though what it is is complex, right? Like we're taking care of that. Exactly. You don't worry about it. Exactly. And we're going to talk about it. Nicely. I was kind of worried about mint actually, because it was created by just, it was like a startup thing. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, Intuit owns it now, which is like one of the biggest software. I'm not even sure what all is behind Intuit, but they own it. And when they bought it, there was this fear that it was going to become complex and no longer accessible to the everyday person, which is what made mint what it is to mm-hmm. your point. Um, so it's nice to see that they haven't lost that, even though they've become part of a corporate behemoth. Right. Mm-hmm. They sell breath mints. Yes. <laughs> just like I'm kidding. I know what mint does. Um, and yeah, you know, I follow copy blogger, this blog that this article's on. Um, it's a content marketing blog yep. and it's got some really good stuff. So if you are into content marketing or check interested it in it, you should check it out. Yeah. It's called copy blogger. Copy blogger. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, very good. I think that's all we had on the docket for today. Mm-hmm. We will be joining you. I suppose that'll be then after Christmas. This next podcast, or during Christmas, possibly. Probably. If we have another show next week, it'll come out right before. It'll come out Christmas week, so we don't want to leave you hanging. We'll come out Christmas Christmas. Eve at midnight. Yeah. You know, I said a lot of people are looking for stuff to do over the holidays because it's just a lot of downtime. Yeah. Yep. So let's go back and check out our back catalog of 174 episodes. In that case, we got a lot to pick from. 
So signing off for this week, this is Jackie Ritaco, Robert Prevo, Adam Meyer, and Katie Streeter. 